now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. Hi. It's me, Gabriel Rutledge. Uh, man, I got a little bass in my voice today. Allergies? Mild cold? Delta variant? Time will tell. Actually, it probably won't, I guess. If I never got tested. That's... Why start talking about COVID 20 seconds into a podcast? Focus, Rutledge. Fucking focus. Uh, I'm not saying this so you... I'm not trying to like pretend I'm better than you. But I am recording this at a Motel 6 in Butte, Montana. You know what you never... Uh, no, what never happens at like a Holiday Inn Express... Uh, you never get woken up because the dog next door is barking. You never have to walk back to your car in the Holiday Inn Express parking lot and be like, ooh, I hope that pit bull's cool. At the Holiday Inn Express, you're never like, oh, I think that family lives here. There's definitely a family living here at the Motel 6. Uh, actually, more than there's a, there's a bevy of black-footed children running barefoot around the parking lot. I said, I mean, they're white kids. Their feet are black because of the dirty parking lot. I should have said that better. Uh, but yeah, why am I in uh, a Motel 6 in Butte, Montana, when I don't even have any shows in Butte, Montana? Fair question. Oh, I had a show in uh, Big Sky, Montana a couple nights ago. Um, I have a show in Bozeman, Montana tonight, Billings, the night after. Uh, but Bozeman, Montana, for reasons unclear, hotels are ridiculously expensive there. Like, for two nights, it was like four or $500 at most of the hotels. Uh, so, uh, I actually went backwards 90 minutes so I could stay at this Motel 6 for $75. And then tonight, my show is in Bozeman, but I, I'm not staying there, I'm, uh, and I'm not going back to Butte because it's the wrong direction. So I think I'm going to stay at the Motel 6 in Billings, uh, check in late tonight after my show. Um, none of these things are things I want to do, but... I got more. Uh, I got more time than money. <laughs> this is the comedian Mike Mazzolotti taught me. I'm going to mention this on the podcast, but I, I messed up. I was working with Mike, and uh, I messed up my car rental, and so we had to like go two hours out of our way to make it work. And uh, he goes, "That's all right. We got more time than money." And uh, I've been I've been thinking about that ever since because, yeah, does it does it make sense to uh, have three hours extra driving to stay where I'm staying right now? No, but is it going to save me over a hundred dollars? Yes, I have more time than money. I just spent almost four thousand dollars on my fucking cat, uh, which, by the way, Don is doing pretty good. He's good. He's got the tube out of his neck. He's fine. 
they, they had to put a tube in his neck, and then we were supposed to feed him through the tube. But after a couple of weeks, we were like, he, we kind of stopped because he was eating anyway. And then they're like, oh, well, we took the tube out, but there's a cyst. So we have to surgically lance that. So that was, anyway, four grand on this fucking cat who's 14 years old, and he better live another 14 years, this son of a bitch. But it actually is nice to see uh, Don around the house. He's kind of sweet right now. Uh, but that won't last. But, he, you know, he's like grateful for life as much as a cat can be grateful. Uh, but that'll last a few weeks. So anyway, I'm in Butte, Montana. And uh, I went to, a, <laughs> went to a diner this morning. I like a diner. I like eggs, no toast, watching the carbs, thank you. Uh, in fact, this diner in Butte, it literally just said diner. <laughs> I'm like, that seems about right. It's like when you're driving in a, some backwoods highway and it's just, you see a restaurant that just says food. And you're like, well, okay, that's, that's me, that's what I need. But this, uh, this diner in Butte, Montana, it seemed to be uh, a trucker spot. And uh, the waitress was kind of what you would think for a trucker spot. Like she kind of knew everyone, like called a lot of people hun. She oddly said, don't even worry about it to like every table. Like, like I said, hey, can I get some hot sauce? And she's like, don't even worry about it. It was like her catchphrase. <laughs> uh, but it was weird because she swore a lot. And I don't mean like, like uh, I enjoy swearing, but it is a little uh, odd to be in a public place and just hear your waitress be like, Bob, how the fuck are you? And you're like, good Lord. This place takes casual to the next level. You know, there's like that weird waitress flirting they do. Non-sexual flirting where they're like, you know, a table, co people come in that she knows and she's like, uh-oh, I don't got time for your trouble today. But she didn't. She's like, oh, oh, shit. I don't got time for you fuckers today. It's kind of hilarious. I mean, there were a couple kids there, too. It's kind of funny. What kind of fucking eggs do you want, Junior? It's life lesson time. Oh, here goes my heater. I'm leaving it on. I'm sorry. It's cold. It's not really that cold, but it's like 40-something, which feels cold. Probably because I was just in Dubai where it was 104. From Dubai to Big Sky, the Gabriel Rutledge story. It's a short one. This is a, th I mean, I was staying in like, I don't know, luxury hotels is the right word, but really nice hotels in Dubai for my, in my entire trip. Uh, and then this week, well, I had like four days in between. Sorry to my wife, Christy. Uh, but this trip is going to be a three Motel 6 stays trip. And that's never good. 
I have fallen off mightily from Dubai because I stayed at a Coeur d'Alene Motel 6 on my drive out. And I'm staying, I stayed at one last night. I'm still in it in Butte. And then I'm staying at one tonight in Billings. And uh, that's not good. That's, uh, I'm too old for that shit. I've been thinking about age because I, I'm doing a trip. This trip reminds me a lot of my early comedy days uh, in the sense that I would, you know, driving through Montana and Idaho, which is just, Gorgeous, by the way. I mean, unless it's snowing and then it's a hellscape. Actually, it's also gorgeous when it's snowing, but the roads are a terror. Uh, but it's just absolutely beautiful. And uh, But, you know, I used to do... They're called Tribble Runs. I don't think they really exist anymore. Uh but uh, there's this booker, David Tribble. He had all these shows all over Idaho and Montana. And, uh, you know, so it was like I'd drive out, you know, sometimes, whatever, three to eight hours in between every show, all these long drives. So in some ways, this felt like very comfortable, this trip, even though I don't really drive like I used to. I still drive a ton, but not like this. Uh so in some ways, it was kind of nostalgic, like, yeah, this reminds me of me back in the day. And then in other ways, I was like, I'm too old to do this shit now. This is not a 29-year-old, pie-eyed, optimistic Gabriel Rutledge headed on this trip. This is 47-year-old Gabriel Rutledge, who still has not recovered from the 11-hour time change from Dubai. And, you know, I just, you, I'm not, I, when I was in a band, we would just sleep on gross people's floors. It's like, sure, I'll sleep on the coffee table. Like, uh, you know, I'm not saying I loved it, but like, that, I can't, there's no way I'm doing that shit now. I can't do it. I can't, uh, I just can't. And even the Motel 6, like I drove like from basically 6 o'clock to midnight and then went in the Motel 6. I'm leaving early the next morning, so I have six or seven hours there total. I'm not... I can't just crash hard for seven hours. It's going to take me, a, you know, a couple hours to settle. I never... I slept maybe two hours that night. It's hard to sleep when you can hear the sound of the freeway and there's dogs barking and there's semi-trucks idling in the parking lot. You know, so it's like... When I did the show in Big Sky, uh, the first show, I mean, I was so tired. The show was fine. The show was good. Uh, but, uh, man, it is, it is something where I got, I'm, I have to, uh, I don't know what to do about it. It's not like I can change my life, but it is, it is a thing where I'm like, I got to take better care of myself. No, not exercise. But I mean, I got to make better decisions. I have, to, I have to factor in that I'm becoming an old man in some of my decisions. Um, I don't really know what that means. Because again, it's like I, I had to do what I had to do to come out and do these shows. But man, it's... Uh, and, I'm, and this is 47, you know? I don't even know 57 yet, but... It is interesting. It's... Uh, 
I don't even drink like I used to. I drink way more now. No. But even that, it's like when I was in Dubai, I, you know, I parted it up pretty good the first two nights, and then old man Gabe had to be like, nope, this can't continue. I can't get drunk every night for 12 days. Uh, same with when I'm in Vegas. Where it, you know, at the Brad Garrett's comedy club, that's like, you know, they kind of just feed you alcohol when you want it. And then like day two or three, I'm like, oh, I can't. <laughs> Is this what people mean when they say uh drink responsibly? Uh so even that, even that is like, because I don't get hangovers like, oh, my head's killing me the next day, the room's spinning. Uh you know, not it's not like that. But it's just like, I get run down. The human body isn't meant to drink that much alcohol. And so, like, I've had, I've had zero alcohol on this trip. Uh, oh, that's not true. That's not true. I just lied. I had a couple drinks in uh, Big Sky because the uh, producer, other comedian of the show, drove me out there. So I did, um, I did have a, a, a whiskey, a, some sort of fancy burnt whiskey they were giving me at this cocktail, swanky cocktail bar I was working in. But anyway, it is weird. As you get older, you're just like, you know, back in the day, especially when you wanted to get home, when I wanted to get home, I'd be like, what is it, a five-hour drive home after this gig? I can do that. Not now. I might have to get two hotels on the way home for a five-hour drive now. <laughs> But it's been a long time. I mean, you know, I put a ton of miles on my car. Uh, but not like I used to. Not like, uh, I don't know, how far is it? Let's see. I have to drive from Billings home. That's far as hell. Billings to Olympia. 12 hours, 22 minutes. I get an hour back for the time change. But that's how far my drive is home. I mean, that's a pretty serious, uh, that's a pretty serious drive. And I, I was going to fly, but it ended up, I got more time than money. So it ended up not working out. The flight wasn't even that expensive, but it's like, you know, $300 for a rental. It just, it wouldn't have worked out. Uh, but anyway, but what, here's what's different about me going through Montana and Idaho compared to uh, whatever mid-2000s or early 2000s. It's like if you told someone, I have a show in Big Sky, Montana in the year 2002, they would have been like, Jesus Christ, buddy. That sounds terrible. You know? Just this image of people with that Tobacco chew circle in the back of their Levi's, spitting into cups while you're performing, wearing cowboy hats. And that was kind of true back then. But man, the world has changed. I mean, the show I did in Big Sky, Montana, I can't remember the name of the venue, it escapes me, but it's like a swanky, fancy cocktail bar. You know, the show I'm doing in Bozeman is a, at a new comedy club. It's, I don't know, it's just so different. Small towns, 
Bozeman, I mean, well, I guess it's a small town. Bozeman's not that small, but uh, it's just a whole different vibe. It's just, I think it's just because it's so many people who used to live somewhere else who are like kind of tapping out of big city life and they're going to Bozeman or wherever, Big Sky or, you know, and I also think the internet is so much of a much more of an influence than it was in the early 2000s. So everywhere is kind of the same now. Um, and in some ways that's good, and in some ways that's bad. But yeah, it's just really, you know, there's like tech people who decide to move to Bozeman, and it's bad because that, you know, the housing's crazy and all that other stuff. But it's, I don't know, if you had money and you could live anywhere you wanted. Why on God's flat earth would you live in San Francisco or Seattle or Los Angeles, especially Los Angeles? I'm not saying, I'm look, the benefits of all those places, you can get anything you want any hour of the day. They have the best food in the world, the best entertainment in the world. I get all that. But if it's like, okay, the sacrifice I have to, I have to make is Everything closes at 9 p.m. How about, how about the fact that your like mortgage or rent isn't a ridiculous amount? You know? How about the fact that there's not tent cities of homeless people just camping constantly? You're not tripping over needles. You're not I mean, just the quality of life outside of big cities is so much higher that no wonder. Especially uh, post during coronavirus where it's like a lot of people went remote who have sort of internet-based jobs. Why would you go back? I mean, if you had to raise your kids, would you rather do beautific Bozeman, Montana Or, you know, San Francisco, where <laughs> you could possibly have to live with another family in the same house to afford it, you know? It's, so I get it. I kind of get it. But it has totally changed the, the dynamic of small towns. You know, every small towns, have got, well, they got fancy, swanky cocktail bars and fusion restaurants. And I went to a farmer's market with all these food trucks. And, you know, there were white people playing tribal drums. <laughs> it's, it's so different. Yes, they're still rednecks, you know? But it's just so different now. Um, and comedy-wise, that's good. Comedy-wise, that's definitely good. That's what annoys me about living in Olympia, Washington, by the way, because that's supposed to be the reason to live there. A little slower pace, a little, little higher quality of life. And some of that is true about Olympia. But for its size, is there uh, any sort of research on per capita shithole? Is there a chart on what the biggest shithole per capita is? Because Olympia <laughs> is rising the charts, I'll tell you that. Not even that many people live in Olympia, Washington. 
the amount of homeless problem we have is off the charts. The amount of like uh, uh, Proud Boy versus Antifa violence downtown we have is off the charts. People get shot, people get stabbed, people get clubbed over the head at the bus stop. I mean, what the fuck? I should move to Tacoma, where at least something's open after 9 p.m. There's an ad running for my show uh, November 6th at the Washington Center uh, on Facebook. There's an ad running for it, and so I kind of look at the comments, and uh, there's, a, there's a couple. It's so weird to me to see an ad and then be like, now's my time to make a comment, not about the comedy show or whether or not I'm going to go, but just some of my opinions on downtown Olympia. But there's a couple people who are like, I'd like to go, but I refuse to go downtown. Which I get, but I also, you know, that's a small town thing. People in Seattle, Los Angeles, <laughs> New York, they're never like, oh, I'm not going to watch that show at a theater. Because that's in the bad part of town. A lot of theaters are in the bad part of town. A lot of sporting events are in the bad part of town. So that is kind of a small town attitude to be like, no thank you, downtown. But whatever, I get it. I do think it's funny that they're like, this is my chance. Like it's a letter to the editor on this stupid ad for a comedy show. Which, where else are we supposed to do it, by the way? That 500 plus people can go watch a comedy show. There's nowhere else to do it in Olympia. Um, so that's, you know, we don't really have a lot of choice on that. Uh, and then a couple people also commented, uh, I doubt they were going to go anyway, but they commented like, uh, I'm, I'm not going because vaccination proof is required, which is true. The Washington Center is requiring proof of vaccination. Um, just like, okay, fine. I'll say this about we have to pay for that, I just learned. I don't think it's a lot of money, but like part of our cost as someone who's renting the theater, basically, is we have to pay for someone to stand at the door and look at vaccination cards. Or I don't even know what the criteria is. A picture of it on your phone, who knows. And like, we didn't ask for that to happen. We didn't say to the theater, hey, uh, we want vaccinated people only. And then the theater had to like scramble and find someone because of our demands. That's their demand. And they have the right to do that. But why do we have to pay for it? Please no one tell the Washington Center I'm complaining about them. This is just between me and you. Theaters are a pain in the ass, man. You go to a bar or a comedy club, it's like, you say yes, you book it, you show up. Theaters are like, they have boards. Even if you're trying to get a show there, they're like, well, we have a board meeting in two weeks. We'll bring it up then and discuss it. And You know, I don't mean this in an asshole way, but most theaters are run by volunteer senior citizen people. And so there, there's a lot of micromanaging of the event. Like, well, that's not where you're supposed to be. Don't, don't go over there. Don't do that. Like, you know. Uh, 
So I, theaters are a pain in the ass. I mean, obviously, it's a wonderful opportunity and a beautiful place. Most theaters are beautiful, you know, and so Washington Center certainly is. So it's great once you're doing the show, but the amount of minutia and paperwork and, like, weird shit you have to worry about if you go over a certain time, then that's overtime for our sound man. And, man, what a pain in the ass. Um, but, again, worth it when the show gets pulled off. But, anyway. I've actually never been... I mean, I, I, I've had to have proof of vaccination to fly, but I haven't been in a venue where they're like, show me your proof of vaccination. So I don't really know that process. Um, but, uh, yeah, that'll cost us a couple people. Um, but again, not, whatever. I think it will make some people feel better who are going. And um, I don't know. I think economics-wise, I think this... Uh, in the way that the pandemic has proved the economy is fake, you know what I mean? Like when no one has jobs, not no one, but so many people didn't have jobs and, uh, you know, industries were shut down and the stock market just went up, up, up and housing went up, up, up. And you're like, what is any of this? This is all based on bullshit. I feel like that happened with theaters. I haven't heard, I've heard of many restaurants shutting down because of coronavirus. I've heard of comedy clubs shutting down because of the reality of coronavirus. I haven't heard of one theater shutting down, and that's because I don't think they've ever made money. It's, they all run on grants and uh, that kind of stuff, and I think they got bailed out, which is great. But, so it's funny. I don't think, I don't think theaters make the same economic decisions that like a bar and restaurant has to do. You know? Whereas a comedy club might be like, okay, if we require vaccinations, that's going to cost us 10% of our business. We can't do that. We have razor-thin margins. But a theater is like, <laughs> this whole thing runs on the idea the arts are important. So sure, fucking who cares? We'll bring it up at the board meeting in two weeks. But man, you know, when, it, when, when I'm in a theater performing and everyone's paying attention and I'm not hearing waitresses ask if they want another bucket of Coors Light, and all, it's like, this is great. This is real nice. This is real nice. Uh, I think you have, to wear, you have to wear masks for the Washington Center show too. I don't know. I don't know. I think you can take drinks in. I'm not sure how it works. I think you can, they have concessions and stuff, so I don't know. Maybe you can take your mask off under the guise of eating or drinking, like we do in bars and restaurants. I'm in, uh, you know, in Idaho and Montana, they do not have, the most you'll ever see is a suggestion you should wear a mask. And uh, this has nothing to do with science or amount of cases or anything. I'm just saying on a, <laughs> as a human, it's so nice. I'm so tired of the fucking masks. It's so annoying. Is it more responsible to have to wear masks indoors right now? Probably. But I just don't care anymore. I just don't want to do it. And I'll, I'll say this about my fellow uh, left-leaning people. Can we, can we stop pretending it's not annoying to wear a mask? That seems to be the narrative on social media. Like, I don't mind it at all. I might keep wearing a mask. 
I think it's great. It's not an inconvenience in any way. Well, that lets me know you don't travel and you have some sort of at-home job. Because you don't say that after you fly 15 hours to, to Dubai and like the mask is cutting into the back of your ears. And you don't, my wife doesn't say that. She doesn't say the mask isn't a problem at all when she has to wear it her entire work day and teach children while she yells through it because no one can fucking hear her. It is a pain in the ass. To, to, pain in the ass? That's my new podcast, Pain in the Ass, where we ask uncomfortable questions. Pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass to wear a mask. Yes. I think they should be wearing masks at schools. You know? Especially for the age of kid who can't even get vaccinated yet. But, like, we've got to stop pretending it's nothing. You know? I mean, if the other extreme, if the other extreme is like, um, if you make me wear a mask, you're the same as uh, Nazi Germany. That's ridiculous. But then the other end is just like, I'm starting to sleep in a mask. I like it so much. And I'm not a, a doctor. I have no medical knowledge. But people who say that I have, they haven't had a cold in two years or the flu in two years, or that hasn't been two years, but whatever, since they started wearing a mask, I get that. But is there something, like, if you get a cold and you haven't had a cold in two years, are you going to be, like, wiped out? Isn't there some sort of uh, tolerance you kind of build up by being around germs? I don't know. I'm asking these, I'm, you know, pain in the ass. I'm asking the question. But it just seems like if you... Keep yourself in a hyperbolic chamber for two years, and then you go out in the world. It seems like you're going to get sick instantly. And so, isn't wouldn't there be something like that with wearing a mask constantly? I get it's good to keep coronavirus away. I get, I get that. I'm not anti-mask. I'm not making that my personality. But it does seem like maybe that's not. Just like in the way they used to say, like, don't, maybe don't use too much hand sanitizer because it's not your body's natural immunities don't get built up. Isn't there? I mean, I don't know. We'll see. But I find that kind of weird. Uh, that narrative of just like, I might keep wearing a mask forever. Why? The fuck would you do that? Why would, why would you purposefully choose to not have the full human experience? I'll wear it when I need to. You know? But yeah, just the people who are pretending it's not an inconvenience. It's like, I get it. You work at home on your laptop all day. You know? You tell me people in a grocery store who don't get to take their mask off all day long you don't you you think they like it? You think they don't think it's an inconvenience? I get they're around the public and maybe they want to wear it for safety, but they can't be like, this is way better than 2019 when I got to breathe properly. I don't know what I'm talking about. 
this is a, a this isn't the best time to bring this up, but um, <laughs> oh, I've never been good at segues. Uh, I think I'm gonna stop doing the podcast. What if I just stopped right then? I'm, I'm not saying this is my last podcast, but I'm saying I don't know how many more I'm gonna do. Um, here's why. I don't. I don't mind doing the podcast, but I just. I feel like the growth potential for this podcast is pretty low. I love all of you who listen. I get messages. I know you enjoy it. That means the world to me. But it's, you know, I don't have guests. I don't have a theme. It's just one asshole rambling about masks or whatever. And you're listening, so you enjoy it. But that's hard to, what's the market for that? And that's not, I don't make all my decisions based on market. But I just, I'm thinking of putting my creative efforts uh, into something else. And what I think I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to start a sub-stack, which what that is, is it's basically a blog. Um, I think the sub-stack, it's like a newsletter is what they call it, but it's a, it's a blog. And, you know, you can, uh, you can uh, subscribe and get it delivered to your inbox, that kind of thing. Because, I don't know. Just to be honest, like let's say, uh, you know, I did a podcast, I did a couple episodes on my podcast about being in Dubai, and, you know, I don't know how many people listen to each episode, uh, 100 to 200, I haven't looked at the numbers in a minute. If I write something about Dubai, I think I can get more people to read it than that number. Um, so there's something, I used to have a blog. I used to enjoy doing it. I had a fair amount of subscribers. Um, and what, what I'm trying to do, the reason I like having a podcast is I like having an outlet. And sometimes I say something where I go, ooh, I, that, maybe that's a good stand-up idea. And that's what writing is for me, too. I mean, when I wrote my book in uh, Happiness Isn't Funny, I, a ton of ideas, a ton of stand-up came out of that book. In fact, I almost put out the book and an album at the same time as like a, a pair because a lot of the stuff I wrote about in the book became stand-up. That has happened again. I wrote a book in 2020, not out yet, I know. But I'm currently doing a bunch of stuff that I wrote in the book. So I want that to keep happening. Um, and I think the, uh, I think writing does that for me even more than talking does. And now, there's also something kind of permanent about writing. Um, you know, if I write something about Dubai, which I am, spoiler alert, um, you know, and then it's a part of a archived writings. Someone might read it two years from now. No one's going to listen to my podcast about Dubai two years from now. 
So I, there is something about that that I like too. And also, I'm not, I'm not going to write something once a week. I kind of like the idea of being able to, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to aim for uh, two a month. You know? Um, so yeah, I know, I don't know. I don't know how that makes you feel. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people would rather listen to me talk than have to uh, read something I write. Maybe you won't make the transition with me. I get that. Um, that's fine. You know, actually, the amount of money I make on this podcast, although it's, I'll just be honest, it's like 90 bucks a month. That has kind of kept me doing it for a while because it's really nice to, when that $90 a month hits my bank, it feels like free money. I'm like, hell yeah. Um, I think I will on the Substack. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have an option to pay $5 a month. You won't get any extra content, but if you, <laughs> Just like this podcast, no extra content if you give me money, but I think I'll have a $5 a month option if you just want to be nice and give it to me, and that'll help me keep motivated to uh, keep writing things. But I don't know. I just feel like I just feel like uh, kind of making that switch. I like you know I can I can I can write things when I'm uh, in an airport. I can write things when I'm. Uh, you know, in the morning in my hotel room. I can write things 10 minutes before I go to bed. And in some ways, writing is a lot more work than podcasting because as you know, I have very little plan when I start talking. But in some ways, it's also I have more control over it and I have uh, I can edit it more and look at my words. I say dumb shit on here all the time. I regret saying and maybe I'll regret writing things. I have I have a blog that I just made private because of it. <laughs> A lot of it didn't age well. But anyway, that's what I'm thinking. Um, this isn't my last podcast, but I'm just letting you know. And for the people who do give me money, I, I think, I looked, there's a way for me to turn that off. I don't think you have to like unsubscribe or anything. I'm not going to make you keep paying me money even if I'm not podcasting anymore. Um, and I haven't uh, like announced the Substack yet. Um, but I'll probably, uh, I'll probably do that pretty soon. I don't know. I just, maybe it's a numbers game too. Every, every comedian has a podcast and not every comedian writes things. And, uh, so maybe that's just more my lane, you know? Um, and I just, I also, I could change my podcast. I could, I could come up with topics, I could get guests, I could have a theme, um, I could have a co-host and really, but I also don't want to put that much work into it because I'm just, even though I have more time than money, I don't have time either. I don't have time or money. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think I'm going to transition my thoughts into the written word. Um, so... I'm sure that's a bummer for a few of you, and I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I've done a lot of podcasts, you know? Um, and I don't even, I didn't, you know, I always forget to even, I don't even tell crowds when I'm performing. I have a podcast most of the time. I just don't even think about it. Not that I'll tell them I have a blog either, but I don't know. I just feel like even from a promotional perspective, 
to post on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or wherever and be like, hey, do you want to read this thing I wrote about my trip to Dubai? I think that's a lot more interesting than you want to hear me talk into a microphone for an hour. I think I'm much more likely to get a click on that. I mean, most people listen to zero podcasts. You know? But like, yeah, I'll read a I'll read an eight-minute article about something funny that happened to this comedian. So then I think that's where I'm headed. Um and uh you know, I hope you read it. <laughs> and if you want to give me five bucks a month to do it, that's great too. If not, who, I don't know. This isn't about money. Stand-up comedy is about money, but podcasting and blogging or whatever, uh, my newsletter, uh, is not about money. If, if that comes, great. But really it's about, I enjoy the creative outlet and I enjoy... Uh, having it spark stand-up comedy ideas. Um, so that's why even the past few episodes I haven't mentioned the Rutledge Reveler thing. I haven't mentioned give me money every month because I, you know, I kind of knew I was headed out. Uh, why do I feel like I'm breaking up with someone right now? This feels weird. This feels very weird. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wrote the book in, uh, I also think it's, I, I've talked about this before, where if someone reads my book, I feel like they're much more invested in me as a, a, a person and as a career follow. And, uh, you know, I think that's true of podcasting, and I think that's true of, of any kind of writing, but I think I can get more people to read my writing than listen to my podcast. Um, and uh, I'm not going to write a book every year because, you know, it's exhausting and really fucking hard. But I can write a, you know? If I wanted to write about how small towns are different than they were when I first started going to Montana, I can do that, and I can get the same thoughts out. You know, it's a much different thing. Writing isn't seat-of-your-pants riffing. And podcasting is for me, but uh, I just, you know, I feel like going that direction, so I'm going to. I'm going to, I'll do at least one more. This isn't my last one, but uh, this feels awkward. I'm going to complain about one more thing before I switch Motel 6 locations. Um, I, uh, I put up a, a, vid a video recently was from a couple years ago at a comedy show in Rosemont at Zany's. And, and Rosemont's kind of like Chicago. Uh, God, I wish they'd call me back. I could use an email from them. That's what happens when you're a comedian, is uh, you work somewhere for a couple years, and then the, the booker retires, and uh, I guess that's it. No more. Uh, but anyway, I, I was looking at some uh, stuff for TikTok posts, and I'm like, oh, I could just put up that part. It was a part of a longer crowd work video, but I just took out this part where uh, I was a guy in the crowd yelled out that his safe word was pterodactyl, and so I just had a you know a fun moment with him. 
uh, about, you know, that sounds like a position. You know, anyway, a funny crowd work moment. I put that up on everything, but I put it up on uh, TikTok. And <laughs> it, I don't know what it got. 50,000 views or something? I don't know. Not a hit, but some views. Let me look. I'll look. Hold on. I want to be factually accurate. Yeah, 50,000. Uh, but I got a bunch of people. We've talked before about how, uh, you know, I had a joke about how my safe word was meatloaf. And I had an album called My Safe Word is Meatloaf. And I had a t-shirt I sold that said My Safe Word is Meatloaf. And, uh, and then it became a popular meme. Uh, and I do think that meme is based on my joke because that's where memes usually come from. I know there's a long list of stand-up comics who are like, fuck, that's my joke. When they see it in a meme, uh, I did make the mistake of on TikTok saying, I think that meme came from my joke, and then everyone killed me and said, my uncle made that joke in 1954, two decades before the song came out. You know, you can never say, you can never say you were the first person to think of a joke. Of course. Has anyone said that joke in their life before? A joke, by the way, I said on my podcast at the time called The Rutledges, I said that to make my wife laugh. And I'm like, oh, that's good. I should write that down. Anyway, when I performed this joke for several years and I made the album and I had the t-shirt, how many people told me they had heard the joke before? Oh, fucking zero. None. Not one person ever said I've heard that joke before. My uncle used to say that joke. I've been making that joke for years. Not fucking one. But now everyone's been doing it forever since it's a meme. My point is, I put out the pterodactyl video. I have four or five comments in the comment section of that video that are saying, my safe word is meatloaf. And they're not saying that because they know I had an album called that. They're not saying that because they know that's my joke. They're saying that because they're repeating memes like it was their idea. Uh, which I'm going to admit, I had made peace with that joke being gone from me. I don't do it anymore anyway, but I'm like, okay, that belongs to the universe now. But fuck, man, when people are trying to be funny in my comments about a joke that I think they got from me, they just don't know it? That's annoying. That's very annoying. People would comment, my safe word is meatloaf, and then the next person would comment on their comment, because I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. And then they're like, ha, 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 that's right. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, man. If I put that joke on TikTok now, my joke, video of me doing the meatloaf joke, people will be like, you're a fucking hack. You got this from a meme. You know, if someone sees the album title, they'll be like, oh, like the meme? So that, kind, that part kind of sucks. Uh, 
But oh well, what are you going to do? Nothing. Um, okay, I think that's it. Thanks for listening. Show's over. We're done. Bye.